This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Hi, good morning, everyone. I asked a few young people yesterday, some of the youth, told them that I'm the one preaching uh, this Sunday, and I asked them what they expect. And I think, um, not surprisingly, they said, oh, we are looking forward to see what Lego stop motion video, uh, you know, uh, you, you have for us. Okay, so I need to say that for this sermon, there is no Lego stop motion video. But, uh, Adani and I, we have made a spaceship instead. Okay, so, uh, I know you enjoy watching our videos and I'm sure we enjoy making them for you as much as you enjoy watching them. So remember to hit that like, subscribe button, and smash that bell icon so you don't miss any videos. Okay, I'm just kidding. But more seriously, what we are covering today, the, the important question that this psalm poses and we'll be trying to think about is what is mankind? What does it mean to be a human being? So we're going to try and keep it simple, and we're going to hear God's word. But most importantly, let's ask God for his help as we hear his word. Please pray with me. God, we thank you so much that you reveal yourself, you reveal your intentions and your purposes. And Father, this important question of what it means to be human, uh, please help us to hear you and help us to walk in light of your revealed truth. We ask that you help all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, looking at the psalm, the first thing we need to notice, okay, first thing we need to notice is that David is praising God. Now, you can see that the first verse and the last verse of the psalm, okay, it is repeated. And so it's really clear that, uh, you know, here what's important is that David is praising God. So you see, the first verse and the last verse, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, even though David is writing and he says, I, and, you know, uh, writing from the first person, the heading of the psalm, which says, for the director of music, means that this is a psalm that he invites others to join in and sing with him inviting us to join in and praise God together with him. Okay, so that's the first thing you must see that David is praising God. Now, what does this praising of God have to do with the the central question of the psalm of what it means to be human, what it means to be uh, part of humanity? Well, the first thing we must see is that because David praises God, the only way we can answer that question, the question of what it means to be human, the only way we can answer that question rightly is only when God is given his proper place. So only when God, our Lord, Yahweh, he is acknowledged as majestic, as God, as the one who is above all, only when God is given his proper place then can the 
the question of what it means to be human. Only then can that question be answered rightly. So that's uh, the first thing I want us to see. Now the second thing, this God that David praises, this God that David invites us to praise, he is so majestic. And he is so majestic, you can see verse 2, that through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So this God, David is saying, he is so majestic, he is so great, that he can even use the praise of children and infants. I mean, what we would consider to be, you know, people who are weak and, uh, you know, of not, no great significance. I mean, that's how, you know, children were thought of in the past. And using something that is weak to silence God's enemies. Now, only a, a majestic and great God can do that. Now, the interesting thing about this verse is that it is quoted in the New Testament. So let me share from Matthew 21, where it says, The blind and the lame came to him, came to Jesus at the temple, and Jesus healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So the, the children, they were praising Jesus. They were praising the son of David, acknowledging Jesus to be the son of David. But these chief priests, these teachers of the law, they were unhappy. They were indignant. They didn't like Jesus getting these praises. So they said to Jesus, Hey, hello. Hey, social distancing. Okay, no, no, no. They said, hello. Do you hear what these children are saying? How can you let them, you know, praise you like that? How can you let them acknowledge you to be the son of David? Hey, are you so thick-skinned? Okay, so the way Jesus answered, is he quoted Psalm 8. So Jesus said, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Now, the interesting thing here is that in Psalm 8, the children and infants are praising God. And so here in Matthew 21, Jesus acknowledges the children's praise of him to be parallel with what Psalm 8 is saying. So Psalm 8 of the children praising uh, and the infant praising God finds its fulfillment here in this children praising Jesus. A clear statement of Jesus' understanding that he is God. He is the Lord himself. Now, just this week, I video called my friend from Australia. So because of the lockdown, everything, I got in touch with, uh, you know, my, my good friend from Australia and we started sharing once a week, praying for one another. And just this week, he told me of how he was doing a Bible devotion with his uh, young kids, you know, the four years old, two years old. And just a very simple story, Bible story. And it was the part where 
the religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus. And so he had to explain to his children, okay, uh, do you know what plot means? So when you plot, it means you are planning to do something bad, something evil. So these religious leaders are, are plotting against Jesus, you know, to kill him. And then the four-year-old said, yes, but wasn't that Jesus' plan as well? Four years old. Four years old and, and the, 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 the kid knew that, yes, even though the, these evil people are plotting these evil things, but, but it was ultimately Jesus' plan all along. See, from the lips of children and infants, he has ordained praise. So this God is so majestic that even from ones who are so weak, and frail and of so little status, he can use that to silence his enemies. So that's the second thing we see. First thing is that we must consider the question of what is man with God in his right place. Second thing, this God is so majestic that he even uses ones who are weak to silence his enemies. Now the third thing that we see here, that, that why God is so majestic, he is worthy of praise, is that this God, even though he's so majestic, he cares for us. Look at verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, when I consider all these things, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. So, so David looks at the, the, the night sky and, and, you know, back in those times without the light pollution, David would have been able to see, you know, maybe about 3,000 stars, you know, plastered across the night sky. And he looks up and he sees, wow, it's so majestic. And everyone, you know, put there by the hand of God. And this God who is so great, so majestic. He cares for us. He cares for mankind. I mean, what is man that you care for us? I mean, he is praising God for his, his mysterious care for us. Now, as I said, David could only see about 3,000 stars because he didn't have a spaceship. Which is why this week, Adani and I, we made a spaceship. Okay, so... Uh, to sit in a spaceship, to ride in a spaceship, you got to put on your spacesuit, okay? And then I've gotten the star pilot, Adani Yao, to fly the spaceship, okay? So, okay, so he's here with me, with his uh, controls, okay? Okay, we need to put on our helmets, okay? Three, two, one. Okay, helmets on. Okay, zip up. Okay, ready for takeoff? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, take off. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Whoa, we are in space now. Okay, no longer rocky. Oh, we are flying very fast. Oh, we are flying very fast. Okay. Wow. Hey, Adani, I think that people don't believe that we are in a spaceship, you know. Shall we show them? 
Okay, so we are flying so fast that we have gone past the, the, the planets and we can even see the sun from our spaceship window. See, you look out our window, we can see the sun. See, it's the, it's the star in our solar system. Wow. Okay, Adeni, I think we should, we should fly out further. Okay. Shall we go to hyperspace? Yes. Okay, let's go to hyperspace. In three, two, one. Okay. Ooh, okay. We're out of it. Okay. And look, we are, we can see our, our galaxy. Look out the window. Look, that is the Milky Way. Wow. Never seen that before. Wow, this is a really good spaceship. Okay, but I think it's time to head home. Okay, I think, I think our pilot is, uh, it's time for a snack. Okay, shall we hyperspace back to, back to Toei Drive? Yes. Alright, okay, so, three, two, one, Okay. Oh, look. We are landing at our block. Okay, we've landed. Okay, and our our star pilot needs to go and have cookies and snack with mommy. Alright, okay. Okay, whoa. What a journey. What a journey. Okay. Now, so, David, David didn't even get to see all those things. But, but we can, we have some sense of not just the 3000 stars, but you know, can you guess how many stars are there in our Milky Way? Okay. So, you know, the, the check function is there. Okay. So those of you who are keen to do that, uh, you want to take a guess in the check function, how many stars in our Milky Way? Okay. So just our Milky Way, the one that we saw, you know, the, the galaxy that we are in. Okay, is it a hundred million stars? Or is it one billion stars? Or do you think it's ten billion stars? Or is it more like one hundred billion stars? Okay, so, you know, you want to have a guess, go ahead, put it in the chat function. Okay. Okay, so, okay, okay, okay. You put a zeros, no point. I can't count. You must write, you must use English. I write billion. Okay. So, okay. Dominic in the millions. Okay. Mason, 150 billion. Okay. Man, 250 billion. Okay. So I think we got winner. We got winner. Okay. So what I, what I saw from Wikipedia is, um, scientists don't know for sure, but their guess is that it is between 150 billion to 250 billion stars in our galaxy. Okay, so, so, you know, our solar system, one star, you know, a few planets. Okay, so there might be up to 250 billion of those. And our one galaxy is likely one of a hundred billion more in the universe. So you see, David's point, when he says, when I, when I consider just how vast what you have made is, I mean, to, to God, we must be, I mean, smaller than a speck of dust. I mean, this earth that is revolving around this one sun, 
you know, I mean, and, and, and the, the, the seven billion creatures who live on that one speck of dust, I mean, he cares for us. I mean, how majestic is this God? That he cares for us. Now the question is, how did David know this? How did, how did David know that God cares for us? How did David know, uh, what he says in verse five? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas, all these things you have put under them. Now the question is, how did David know this? Now David is not guessing. Okay, David is writing this psalm, this song as a reflection of praise on this scripture. What God has revealed. In Genesis 1, where God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, one important aspect of being made in the image of God is that we have dominion. We have rule over created things. So it says here, uh, make mankind in our image so that they may rule over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, over the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. See, again and again, that word over is repeated. So one important aspect of being made in the image of God is that we are given dominion. We God has delegated rule to mankind. To run and manage and rule the created order for him. Now, what this means is that we, now there are many things we could say, uh, the implications of being made uh, in the image of God. But one important one that we must not miss is that, I mean, nothing else in all creation is made in the image of God. Only humans, only us. And that means we have an inherent value. We have inherent worth because of, of, of the fact that we are made in God's image. Now, this idea is lost in many parts of the world. In many parts of the world, the way people operate in terms of assigning value, assigning worth, is dependent on what you can do. It is dependent on, on how fast you can run, how much money you make, how good looking you are, you know, how popular you are, you know, how many votes you garner, you know, like worth and value assigned to what letter of the alphabet you get back on your exam paper. And we can begin to buy into that lie. But here scripture is reminding us that no, no, we, we all have an inherent worth. Because we are made in God's image. Now it's a bit like you have one roll of wallpaper, like you know the the most modern high tech wallpaper. You know it keeps the mosquito away. You know your kids draw crayon, you can easily rub it away. You got that, and you got 
On the other hand, one painting that Picasso painted. And you could choose one. Which one you want? You know, you want the one that's really, uh, you know, useful, you know, oh, I can really cover your wall, keep the mosquitoes away. You want that? Or you want the, which one is more valuable? Right? Or the painting that is, has been painted, the handiwork of, 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 of this master painter. Now, even though it may not be finished or whatever, I'll take the Picasso any day. And so in that sense, we are made in God's image, not just his handiwork, but, but made in his image. So all of us, whether we are employed, unemployed, disabled, healthy, having an important job or having a very menial, mundane job, all of us, we have an inherent worth because of who we are, made in God's image and given rule and dominion over the created order. Now, of course, having said that, we know there's a problem. I mean, there's a problem, right? It doesn't seem that we have dominion over the created order. What what rule over fish, uh, you know, uh, animals, uh, you know, the, the, the birds? Uh, I mean, one virus we can't even see, has turned the world upside down. I mean, what rule and dominion are we talking about? So there is a problem. This dominion and ruling over creation, it is not our experience as humans. And it is not our experience as humans because this is something that the Bible tells us. This rule and dominion, it was given to humans. It was given to Adam and Eve. They had that rule. They experienced dominion over the created order. But because of their rebellion against God, because they would not let God be God, because they wanted to fight uh, for, for, for a place against God, they wanted to be God themselves. They did not want God's rule over them. That, that dominion over created order was lost. That same rebellion that we have in our hearts that, that, that fight, you know, that, that shaking of our puny fist against God, you know, against His ways, against His, His, His instructions, against His wisdom. I mean, that rebellion that characterizes all of us. And so is it not understandable that our world is in a mess? Because we have rebelled against the Maker, against His ways, against His rule. But this takes us to the other passage that in the New Testament, quotes Psalm 8. And this is a very important one where Hebrews chapter 2 quotes uh, a good proportion of Psalm chapter 8. Now what is happening in Hebrews is that the, the readers, the original readers of Hebrews, they are going through a hardship, persecution, because of their allegiance, their loyalty to Jesus. They're being marginalized, they're being, you know, looked down and, and, and uh, treated as outcasts and even persecuted, suffering because of their allegiance to Jesus. And so the Hebrews writer is writing to both comfort them and as well as to rebuke them 
comfort them to say, hey, you must stick with Jesus. And to rebuke them for saying, hey, if you leave Jesus, then it's, 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 you know, it's disaster. And so in this section, the Hebrews writer is comforting them. They're encouraging them to stick with Jesus in spite of the hardship. And so he says, it is not to angels he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. You see, the Hebrews writer has picked up on this point. I mean, he quotes Psalm 8 and he says, hey, subjecting the world, uh, ruling the world, uh, is not spoken to angels, no. it's not promised to angels. This ruling the world, this having this delegated rule and dominion over the created order, I mean, this is spoken to humans. And he quotes Psalm 8. And then he says, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. I mean, you see, everything is promised to be under our feet. And there is nothing that will not be under our feet. God has delegated all this rule to us. But then the Hebrews writer says, yet at present, we do not see, we do not see that, we do not experience that, we do not see everything subject to them. But what do we see? But we do see Jesus. We do see Jesus. I'll notice the Hebrews writer purposefully he doesn't say he, uh, Jesus Christ. He just says we do see Jesus. And by doing that, he is drawing attention and emphasis to the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is 100% God, as we saw in Matthew 21. He is also 100% human. And here the Hebrews writer is focusing on the fact that Jesus, this Jesus, this this Jesus that God sent, he is human, his humanity. We do see Jesus, who was made, he continues writing, lower than the angels for a little while. So this Jesus, even though he is 100% God, for a little while he condescended to be human, to be below the angels. But it is only for a little while. Because where Jesus is now is that he is now crowned with glory and honor. He has been exalted far above the angels. And why? The Hebrews writer tells us. Because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See what the Hebrews writer is saying is this. God sent the man, Jesus. He sent him and the man, Jesus, who is 100% God, this man experienced 
and suffered and tasted death for us, for God's people. The death that we deserve to, 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 to taste the full extent of this, Jesus has tasted the full experience and extent of this death so that God's people might not taste that death, so that God's people might not face the judgment that is due to us for our rebellion against Him. And because that judgment has been satisfied and exhausted in Jesus, we now have that promise of God's original design. God's original design of humanity ruling and reigning and having dominion. Like that purpose is, has now been, 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 uh, that, that, that path has been cleared. That purpose will now be accomplished. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is God's purpose that was lost because Adam and Eve fell and rebelled. Well, God is so determined that his purpose for humanity prevails, that humanity would rule and reign, that he sent the man Jesus, pay for our sin, satisfy the judgment that is due us so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could be restored to God's original place for us as rulers of the universe under him. Now, I think this leaves us with two ways to live. We saw in uh, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, you know, two ways to live. Uh, the wicked or the righteous, two ways to live. You want to be with the wicked nations or you want to take refuge under the king. There are two ways to live. So here I think there's two ways to live as well. The first way is we can either, like the rest of the world, find our meaning, find our value. No, what, is, what, how important am I as a person, you know, as a human being? And to find that value without reference to God. You know, try and uh, discover my inherent worth through being faster, higher, stronger, richer, better good looking, more popular. You know, but that's a rat race that always ends badly. Or the second way to live is that we can find our meaning, find our value according to what God has revealed in His Word. That we take our reference point from Him. And so the Scriptures tell us that we are created in His image. The Scriptures tell us that God's intention is for us to rule. And the scriptures tell us that even when we have repudiated that, when we have thrown that in God's face, God is so determined that this purpose come to pass, that he sends his son as a man to reclaim and to restore and to win back what was lost. And so friends, you see in Jesus, God's design, God's purpose for our lives you get it? God's, God's design and God's purpose for life is, is, is greater and grander than any one of us can ever imagine. Our aspirations, our ambitions, it pales in significance to God's design his, 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 of, of grandeur and, and beauty and worth that he has for us. 
and this this purpose, this design of God, it will be accomplished. How do we know? How do we know it will be accomplished? I mean, our present experience as humans is is fraught with with suffering and pain. We, what masters of universe? I can't even control my own face. You know, the pimples can pop out anytime. I mean, what man? But you see, in sending the man Jesus, and this man Jesus, this human Jesus, he is now crowned with glory and honor. He is, he is at that place where God's people, the humans who, who, who trust this Jesus, he is at a place where we will all join him. There is a human who is already there, reigning and ruling, having dominion. And so this is God's way of telling us his purpose for us as humans will be accomplished. So what's our response? We must praise him. Praise this God. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. May God help us to do that. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.